Welcome, welcome. We've been looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10 for like the past year, going through the gifts of the Holy Spirit of the church. And so I just wanted to continue on that chapter and read the rest of that chapter, starting in verse 11. And then maybe as we move forward, just starting to pick out some of those gifts in there that we haven't covered already, because a lot of them we've already talked about. But we'll just pull out the ones that we haven't talked about already. And one of those is the gift of helping. So let me just start in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has pointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the gifts that you do give us, and we ask, God, that we would use them for your glory and for helping one another, encouraging one another in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we're given this respective ministry gift set, and we're given the numerous members of the body which God has purposes for, and we're all part of the body of Christ, and God has a purpose for each one of us in the body of Christ. I think something that some of us often forget is that you forget how important you are for the entire body to function. And you may think that your part or who you are as part of the body is insignificant, but you are significant. And so you might think like you're the appendix or something where you're just like this nub, which in the past actually was an organ that was given very little significance, right? But in the last 10 years, I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of research has been done on the appendix and they found that it does have a significant function. They found that the appendix produces the so-called good germs for the gut and it actually helps in rebooting your digestive system. So there was a belief in the past, you know, 10 years before in the medical community that 
the appendix had no function, and so if you had something going on there, it was no big deal for you to just lop it off and say, forget it. But today, they've shown that research finds that it's really crucial in terms of helping your immune system. So, even if you feel that you may be insignificant right now, you may come to find out that you're actually quite significant in the future, right? And so we all have a part, we all have a role, and we all have the significance in the body of Christ, and we all need one another. And God has a purpose for your life as a part of the body of Christ, and your ministry gifts are significant for the body as well. Now, Ephesians 4, chapter 11 kind of mentions the same thing here. When Paul writes, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And so we first come to this term, apostle. Now, the apostles were the leaders of the early church. They were called by God, and it's not something that we can call ourselves or, or something that we can earn. And Paul's introduction to many of his letters start with his calling, and it starts with the will of God. So if you look at 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Timothy, they all reference Paul's calling by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. He always kind of intros himself this way. Now another qualification for an apostle is that they had to have seen the risen Jesus. And so when Peter spoke about choosing someone to replace Judas as one of the twelve, Luke recorded in Acts chapter 1 verses 21 and 22 so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. Now, a third qualification to be an apostle is that they had to possess a gift of miracles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Paul wrote, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with the utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Now, I do believe that there are apostles today, because in Ephesians 4, chapter 11, there's little argument as to whether the church has prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So why do we sometimes just kind of leave the apostle part out of it when we kind of accept the other pieces of it? But a big question about apostles is in regards to their authority. Who gives them the authority, which are the types of questions that the Pharisees asked John the Baptist and they asked Jesus, and the questions surrounding ordination, so who ordains people to go about doing ministry. And so something about ordination is I don't see biblically where someone ordains another person for ministry. I do see where God ordains and then someone recognizes kind of God's hand or God's ordination in that person already. So as far as ordination goes, it's something that we recognize in someone's life by God working through them, but it's not something that we kind of do on our own. At least that's kind of how we do it here. Now, Paul seemed to have many of these gifts. He was obviously an apostle. He was also an evangelist, and he was also a shepherd and a teacher. And most of the time, people are gifted with one, two, maybe three, but very few times are they kind of given all four at the same time. And as 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 11 teaches, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now we'll look at evangelists next, and those are the people that share the gospel, and of course, all of us are to do this, but obviously there are some who are better at it than others. And third, there are prophets. These are exhorters. These are encouragers of the church, and we read of 
prophets such as Agabus in the Jerusalem church in the New Testament and of the prophets in the church in Antioch. And then lastly, there are the shepherds and teachers. This is another gift from God which we'll cover more in depth in the future. With each one of these ministries, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given to fulfill each one of these ministries. And when we think of ministry, or when we think of the word minister, sometimes I think we have the wrong idea of what those words mean. We've been called to ministry, all of us, and perhaps you haven't been called to be a pastor, to preach, or to teach, but everyone has been called to ministry. We've all been called to serve Jesus, to be a servant of Jesus. And so we all have a place in the body of Christ. So when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, Paul wrote, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And we've taken a look at a lot of those gifts already. So tonight we're just going to pick out helping. I think this is a gift that often gets overlooked. And this is a gift that is so crucial to the ministry. And actually, I think a lot of people have this. Because in order for a church to thrive, in order for a church to function, a lot of things need to be done to minister to the entire church body. And fortunately, I think a lot of the people at Regeneration tend to have this gift. They tend to chip in on helping. And I do feel like this is one of the most important gifts that we can have in a spiritual sense. And oftentimes we look at other gifts to be more important or in the spotlight, such as like teaching or prophecy or speaking in tongues or healing or miracles. And we have this slew of ideas of what kind of those more glamorous gifts are when this gift is just a quiet, wonderful blessing of a gift. And it's just kind of done quietly on the back. Few recognize it, but the thing is, it's a gift from God like any of the other gifts. And so when the gift of helping is exercised, it's done when someone doesn't have to be asked to help. You just kind of go on and do it. Where you see a need or you see that something needs to happen, you take action and you just kind of do it. And so we have some people that have these gifts and our church wouldn't be the same without them. And they don't need pay or recognition or anything like that. They just kind of go about exercising this gift without drawing attention to themselves. And so there are folks here who just come really early in the morning and they just start cleaning the front of the church. And if you don't come that early, you just never know it. And sometimes they're actually washing down the steps or they're mopping it or they're doing whatever needs to be done or they're cleaning out these planter areas because we get a lot of junk in these planter areas all the time. And so that's not in anybody's job description on the staff here, right? It's just somebody that sees it and then they just start cleaning it up. And it's the same thing for this aisle or this alleyway here on the side. It just gets really messy. And the cafe ministry. There's a bunch of gifted people in the ministry of helping there. We've had people over the years who've just kind of seen what needs to get done there and they just kind of do it and they start building things and fixing things and just contributing in the way to make things more efficient there and to bless people. And it's just a beautiful gift that they've shared with so many people. And so when people have babies here, there's a group of folks who kind of plan a meal calendar so that they deliver these meals and they're just helping these families that have a newborn and they're just helping people out. So there are so many occasions here for the gift of helping and it's 
a really, really practical gift with so many opportunities to bless people. And so an example of someone with the gift of helping in the Old Testament is Joshua. And in Exodus chapter 17, verses 9 through 10, Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now I do believe Aaron and Hur had the gift of helping as well. But I do want to focus on Joshua because Joshua was the one who took over the leadership of Moses. And it's interesting to know Joshua's role in helping Moses before he kind of took over the leadership role. He was in a role of submission. He was in a role of, of helping. And so he was right next to Moses, helping him along with that ministry. And when Moses gave him instruction, he carried it out. The Bible says that Joshua did as Moses told him. And because of his faithfulness and because of this gift of helping, after Moses died, God chose Joshua as the next leader of the Israelites. And so it reminds me of the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, right? Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. To be faithful where God has called us. And it doesn't mean that calling will be forever. But wherever God has called us for however long he has called us to a particular work, to be faithful in that work and to do that work with everything in us that he's gifted us with, to serve willingly, joyfully, cheerfully, because we serve as unto the Lord and not as unto men. And I have to confess that I'm not always good at that. I was talking with John, you know, our staff person, John Sharp. Yesterday we had a meeting and how I've been serving with less than a joyful heart. I like our church to be presentable all the time and I'm by no means a neat freak. I think any of you who have ridden in my car know this or have come to my house, you know this. I'm not like a complete neat freak, but I do like, you know, public spaces and things like that to look nice and to represent our church well. And I want our church to look like people care about how things are here. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've been receiving like a ton of baked goods from Arizmendi. And I really appreciate it, right? Every Sunday we get all these wonderful baked goods. And I'm grateful for everyone who's arranged this. And it's really generous. And I appreciate it a lot. And I think it's a great blessing. That being said, I'm finding that there are crumbs everywhere. And it's just like all over the cafe, it's all over the chapel, it's like all over this hallway, and it's just driving me nuts after service. And so I found myself kind of cleaning up, like getting a broom and just start sweeping up and sometimes a vacuum, but most of the time with the broom because I don't want to disturb the Chinese service. So I'm brushing it, and I'm just wondering, like, how come people can't put food in their mouths? Like, why is it there? Like, how come it's not... What's going on with people? Like, I don't understand. And, and so I'm just like, man, just clean this stuff up and out there too. It's all over. And I don't understand, like, how come people don't just eat in there? And why is it all over the place? And I'm just finding myself in my head just bickering with myself. And this is every Sunday. Right? Every Sunday. There's not a Sunday where it's crumb-free. 
It's every Sunday. And so there I go again, pick up a broom, and I start brushing the crumbs because I feel it's inconsiderate to leave these messes behind for, you know, the Chinese church and the Burmese church and then our evening service. And I just think it's just not a courteous thing. And so after I did this with a resentful heart the first time, I was so convicted by the Spirit. And I'm doing this, I'm just like, oh, man, I can't believe this. this is, the people are so messy. And he totally challenged me and challenged my heart in regards to helping. And I just sensed from the Spirit that if I was going to do it with such resentment and with no joy, then he was just saying, just don't do it. Just leave it. And so I had to take a break from it for a couple of weeks because I couldn't do it. I was resentful and I was sweeping, so I just have to put it away because I wasn't doing it cheerfully. I wasn't doing it joyfully. And so I just had to take a break from it. And then one week I did it and I was fine. And I was like, oh, cool. And I just did it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The gift of helping often includes doing something indeed. So in exercising this gift, we need to help in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, to serve him joyfully and cheerfully. And I have to confess to you, I'm not doing it joyfully or cheerfully. I'm just doing it like indifferent now. I'm not bitter. I'm not resentful. I'm just doing it. So hopefully I move into this joyful state of brushing up crumbs and things. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe it'll just be clean and I don't have to worry about it. Now there are examples of people with these gift of helps that do it the right way and those that do it the wrong way. First, let's take a look at a guy that's done it the wrong way. And we're going to look at 2 Kings. And it's Gehazi, Elisha's assistant. And actually, Gehazi does pretty good in the beginning. He's a pretty good guy. But as he's kind of helping and doing all these things, when we get to chapter 5 of 2 Kings, we find that Gehazi starts to covet what was offered to Elisha. Because Naaman, pretty wealthy guy, wanted to give Elisha a gift. Elisha just kind of said, no, no, don't worry about it. And he kind of takes off and Gehazi's thinking, well, mm mm-hmm. If he didn't die, I can get it. And so he kind of chases after Naaman. And so he acts on this covetousness that's in his heart which leads him to be afflicted with leprosy because he didn't help with a pure heart he didn't do this stuff with purity right and so there are so many examples of those who did help with a pure heart let's start at acts chapter 6 and this is when the widows were being neglected of care in acts chapter 6 starting in verse 1 Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith." And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So these seven guys obviously had the gift of helping. 
And in their faithful service and exercising of the gift of helping, we discover that there were other ministry roles that emerged out of this. So take, for example, Philip. Philip was a great evangelist who didn't just have the gift of helping, but he also had the gift of faith, of miracles, and of healing. And there was this great revival through Philip as he ministered greatly to the Samaritans. And if you look at someone like Stephen, Stephen had the gift of helping. And God used this humble servant to confront the high council of the Jews. And I believe Stephen's challenge stemmed from his gift of helping. And through this confrontation that he had with the high council, Stephen died a martyr in front of Paul, which I think was the most impactful event that kind of propelled Paul into this journey towards Jesus, that he could never shake from his head what had happened to Stephen. In Acts chapter 26, verse 14, Jesus said to Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So in other words, your mind, your spirit, your heart, your soul is goading you because of your experiences. And I think one of those key experiences was Stephen. That continued to kind of haunt him. And so Stephen, who spoke and lived and died according to the truth, you've been kicking against that ever since then. Right? And so someone like Priscilla and Aquila, people like them, they were tremendous helps to Paul's ministry, blessed with the gift of helping, Acts chapter 18. Or Timothy. Timothy was a disciple of Paul who helped Paul a lot in ministry. He, like Joshua, did as his mentor instructed, and he was blessed tremendously by it. So, so many great examples of those who had the gift of helping. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. And so when Paul mentions service, I think this is the gift of helping. Right? This gift is invaluable in ministry. Ministry can't be done without people who have this gift of helping. People who just do what needs to be done. And they help without having to be probed or asked to do it. They go about their business for God without seeking recognition. And they just do it as unto the Lord. When people need recognition or they need the validation, or they need kind of the compensation, then I don't think that this is necessarily their gift. It might be something else, maybe a little bit, but I just don't think that those folks kind of just naturally go about it without kind of wanting anything in return, like the seven guys who were serving and they were chosen. They just kind of did it. They weren't asking for compensation, recognition, or anything. They were guys that were of good repute, full of the Spirit, and they just kind of did it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. What is done is done unto the Lord, and the helping one does who has this gift is from God. So the only person to whom there needs to be recognition is from God himself. And so God loves those who help with joy and with cheer, and it's not something done out of obligation, it's not something done out of duty, and there's no resentment or bitterness or annoyance attached to that. And if there is, then just don't do it. Don't sweep up the crumbs, right? Just let the crumbs be. Let someone else do it that isn't going to be so miserable doing those things. 
the thing is, is you're not going to get any earthly or heavenly reward anyway, right? Doing it that way. So you, you might as well just let it go, right? Just hang it up, let it go, don't do it. So when you're helping, you help with a joyful heart. You help with a cheerful heart. Otherwise, it's more hurtful than it is helpful. Now, people who really have this gift are a joy to be around when they're helping. They're not kind of like mumbling in their voice or saying bad things about other people or being critical about other people and why don't they do this and why don't they do that. It's just kind of fun to be around. You want to help them and they're helping you and they're just kind of doing stuff, right? You put chairs away together and you race or something. You make it fun or whatever. And so you can tell who genuinely wants to help and who's just kind of doing it because they feel it's duty or they feel it's the courteous thing or that it's noble or you're a gentleman or something. And those are just two different things. This is such an important and necessary gift to our church, to the church body. Ministry just can't be done effectively without this gift being exercised. And we need those who have the gift of helping to exercise this gift. Now, if you don't know if you have this gift or not, just try it. You know, you see something, just try it and see what your heart's like, see what your spirit's like, see if that's something you enjoy doing or not. If you don't know, just try it, practice it. And just start helping and see how your service is a blessing to the body of Christ, a blessing to each other. And I believe you'll find out by taking this step of faith, just help out, just start doing stuff and, and you'll be able to see if this is so or not. Now, if you don't know what part of the body you are, you know, pinky toe, thumb, eye, head, whatever you are, you don't know, start by using this gift, right? It's not intimidating, kind of like the speaking in tongues thing. If you've never spoken in tongues, it's like an intimidating thing, right? You just don't know how it works. But this one is easy. Like, you just start doing stuff. So at the end of this service, like, I'm recruiting you to help already. Like just putting stuff away, right? Or kind of shutting down the place or whatever it is. And just kind of exercising that gift is a really easy thing. It's not like these other gifts like word of wisdom. It's a total step of faith or a word of knowledge. It's a total step of faith and all these other gifts. But this one is really practical. Yes, there's a faith element to it too because you're helping out and you don't know if someone's going to be overly critical and say, oh, you didn't do it the right way or whatever. So yes, there's an element of faith to it too. But it's so an easy intro into a spiritual gift. And this one is probably one of the more important ones. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of helps because as we see in your word from Old Testament all the way through the early church, there are people who you've given this gift. And so I ask God that you would bless our church to be one that is full of helpers, uh, people who recognize the different needs and the different things that need to be done here. And God, would you bless their efforts? Would you bless their steps of faith to exercise this gift. And I ask God that you would encourage folks to continue to exercise this gift as we do need them to reach out to this lost community. In Jesus' name, amen.